Welcome to The Business Strategist, the show that gives business owners and entrepreneurs game-changing business strategies that can be used in scaling and transforming a business. Sharing deep-dive conversations with industry experts, thought leaders and clients, facing real challenges and uphill struggles. Brought to you by business strategist, former elite athlete, international speaker and best-selling author, Adam Strong. everybody and welcome to the business strategist with myself Adam Strong looking forward to today's show and you know what I thought today would be a really interesting show because over the last uh, three four weeks I've been doing some solo shows which I thoroughly enjoyed but I felt like that I really needed to get back to um, adding a little bit of variety to the show so I wanted to bring a really special guest on today's show and his name is called Ron Macklin. Now, Ron is an author and a leadership expert, and he has over 20 years of experience in studying and implementing effective team building strategies. Um, actually, uh, Ron has a, an engineering background, which is really fascinating. We'll talk about that. And is the author, uh, well, he's the, he's the creator of the Macklin Connection uh, method and the founder of the uh, uh, He's also the best-selling author, or this, uh, has a best-selling author book, uh, which is called um, Everyone is Afraid of uh, the Fable of Fear, Friendship, and Flourishing, and explores the power of vulnerability and connection in building successful teams. So we're going to be talking a little bit about connection, vulnerability, building teams. That is the main theme of today, ladies and gents. Uh, we're going to be sharing, uh, Ron's going to be sharing a little bit about his backstory uh, about his uh, backstory from engineering to how it came to building teams and what the kind of connection between there is. Uh, we're going to be talking about the relationship between vulnerability, connection, fear, and leadership, and how that all kind of intertwines together. It's That's going to be really fascinating. Um, he's going to be sharing some useful insights if you are a aspiring leader, if you are uh, an aspiring leader, if you're new to the industry or an existing leader within your industry, uh, then he's going to be sharing some strategies and tips about how you can become a better leader and how you can use the tools from his book. And in terms of like vulnerability and connection and fear, how you can all contain it and how you can be better at what you do. So that's what it's all about. Self-improvement, personal growth, ladies and gents. So if you're interested in that, stay connected. So drum roll, please. Hello, Adam. Mr. Ron Macklin, welcome to the show. Hello, Adam. Thanks for How having me. And thank you. Uh, thanks for doing your podcast. And thank you for inviting me into the show. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate you being here. And uh, I appreciate it. It's extremely early in the morning there. But, uh, you know, it's all good. Uh, it's, it's all good. It's, it's good. It's, it's great. It's good. It's good. Love it. Love it. Well, listen, it's been great, uh, great to connect because uh, I know that, um, you know, I mean, you've been on various great podcast. I actually recently listened to a great podcast with you and Chris Voz actually only a couple of months ago. That was a great episode that you guys did. And uh, yeah, I'm a big, big fan of Chris. He, he he does a great job. I think he's done like, I don't know, like 1700 episodes or something yeah. madness or whatever. Yeah, he was a lot, of, a lot of fun to dance with. 
Yeah, yeah, that definitely, that definitely. I, lo- I just, I just love his whole approach, and he kind of comes. He's got this kind of humor as well, um, which yes. can be a little bit dry, depending on if you like Chris Voss, of course. But you know, we're not for everyone. But anyway, it's all good. Anyway, <laughs> you get my point, though, right? Oh yeah. Uh, um, but love it, all good. Listen, great to have you on the show. Uh, looking forward to today's conversation. Um, so I want to kind of like jump straight in, if that's okay with you, Ron, because I know that you're background when you uh first got started because i remember when we when we talked offline your background's in engineering isn't it that's correct that's correct yeah. i'm a, a degreed engineer yes degreed engineer okay great degreed engineer Fantastic. study engineering and uh, understand uh, the the very much understand the domain of engineering yep and uh, can communicate from it but i'm not i'm not i don't do engineering right right and this is this is the fascinating part ladies and gents he doesn't do engineering, even though he's got an engineering degree. So tell me, like, how did this whole kind of fascination, like, where did it come about? Because from the early years of engineering into you found this kind of, I don't know, you can't really call it a passion, but you found this kind of opening opportunity where you kind of fell in love with the whole idea of developing teams and, 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 and you know, you found that and then you're just kind of like, oh, I kind of like the idea and, and that kind of stuff. But tell us the more about the backstory. Yeah. No, thanks, Adam. So it started, like, before I became an engineer, I, I played United States American football. Right. Which, um, not, not soccer or not <laughs> European football. European. I, we played the contact sport, very, very physical contact sport, uh, football. And my team, like, when we were younger, we, didn't, we weren't very good. I mean, that's kind, really, to say that. Um, but as we went, I like I had to figure out how to get the team to win. I mean, I was a player, and I wanted to win. I really wanted to win. <laughs> and my passion for helping people become better at what they're doing started then. And when I became an engineer, and I went out into the world, right, and started to work on power plants and do maintenance and do all kinds of big, big power plants, like nuclear power plants, stuff like that, then what I noticed was, what I really enjoyed, what my passion was, was was like winning. I mean, like setting a record, getting it done on time, being safe, uh, producing profit, like in the win in that space. And it became more of a using some of the first skills I used in football to help people become better. That became my passion, which is how do I help teams become better at what they're doing, right? And when you're on a when you're on the let's see what you guys be called the pitch, we call it the field. When you're on the field, right? You got to be really vulnerable. Like you, you, everybody's got to know what you can and can't do, right? There's no like, yeah. Well, you can't, you know, make yourself look good in front of the other team members. They need to know where your weaknesses are, right? They need to know. You need to know where theirs are, so you can cover it for each other, right? And so we, I started to use those practices, and I realized there's a whole lot of skills that I'm missing, right? That I had to go out and gather those skills to be able to do that. And my goal was like, how do I add more value to the customer when we work with them? How do we retain the, the the people who are there? How do we develop the people who do show up? Like you can't just always say, I want all you know, million dollar players. I, I want all the A team showing up on my jobs. It's you want all the people who show up on your job to show up on your job. Like when they show up, they actually bring everything they got to the job. Then you have the best team. And many times better than a whole bunch of superstars. And that's a fundamental that we I went about to developing. That's why passion started. 
And once we started in the space of doing that, we said, well, we can shorten the outages. Like we used to do things in 35 days. We wanted to do them in like 20 days and then 15 days and then 10 days and nine days and seven days. And that made great returns for the customer. But it also brought the whole team together in a way that like we became, for, for lack of a better term, it became family for about 15 to 30 days. Like you could trust, you could open. Everybody knew what people's strengths were, what their weaknesses were, all that stuff, right? And then as I moved around and moved up through the company, I, you know, I did it all over the United States and went over to Europe and did it in Germany for three years and developed 300 and some million dollars in new business, a very profitable business while we were in, I was in Germany. And we came back and took a group that had failed for years and they became like, I'm failed as in like they were the worst run group or worst location group in all of Siemens US. And we turned them in to be the best place to work in Houston, Texas. And it wasn't by me telling everybody what to do, because I didn't know. It was about how do we set up a team structure, right, so that people can trust each other. People can believe in each other. People know where the weaknesses are. There's nothing hidden. There's You talk about what, what you're doing. You create goals that stretch you. And all of a sudden, we went from losing $15 million to making $20 million in profit. And like, people love to come to work. And that, that became a passion of mine. How do we, how do people create teams that really set, like, at the end of the day, that people go like, man, that was a good day. I mean, like, I, I, I want to come back tomorrow. Because the people who want to come back tomorrow, they will show up differently tomorrow and contribute everything. That's one of the, one of the, one of the funny things is when we're not vulnerable, when we're not open and tell what we're doing, people feel like they need to hide stuff. And you're never going to get creativity at a level that what the people could bring because if you're hiding stuff. And, and hiding stuff is like what I'm afraid of. So just to go back into context, you mentioned the word vulnerability. And you used the example of uh, your time in American football, right? And mm -hmm. uh, a strength is vulnerability. And I'll just use this in the context of uh, leadership. Is vulnerability a, kind of a similar word or the same word as strengths and weaknesses? Would, would you say that that is similar or what, do you think there's a kind of a, a kind of a formality? There is a relationship between the two, but it's or is it that the way that we act? So I, I just want to get some context behind that. What do you think? Yeah. So the, there's a, a use of the word vulnerability. Like you say, this is where I am vulnerable. Like this is my weaknesses, right? Right. It'd be in that space. And then there's a different, a completely different uh, understanding. Is like this is where I can share where I'm vulnerable. Like to, and that's like not where I'm vulnerable, but I can share where I'm vulnerable. I can talk about it, and that's the vulnerability. Like you can talk right. about your weaknesses, right? And sometimes people have these things called strengths, right? That become their weakness because they rely only on their strength. Right? They're only going to do the things they're really good at. And then all the little stuff is, falls apart, but they're relying on that strength. And strength becomes like a crutch. So vulnerability is strengths and weaknesses that you can talk about. Mm. You can share it with other people. And everybody knows what everybody else's strengths are. And it's not like it's like, well, you're bad at that, so that's that's not good. That's bad, right? No, it's like uh, that's what you're good at. That's what I'm good at. That's what you're bad at. That's what I'm bad at. Now, what are we missing? What do we had to add in? How do we find the right person, Right. To add into that, or do somebody need to develop a skill? Whatever we need to do, 
if you don't talk about it and you don't know what it is, that weakness will still be there. Right. It's true. It's hundred percent true. I want to come back to that vulnerability thing because I, I, I want to, again, maybe get some thought process, uh, some insight around that. But I, I want to kind of, I'll backtrack from that, but I want to ask you something else because I know that there is a core correlation between or a relationship between fear, vulnerability, and leadership. Like from your perspective, what is the, you know, the the inter kind of correlation between the three? Like how do they join together and how do they kind of differentiate between these between each other in terms of like becoming a better leader or a more effective leader, should we say? Okay. So uh, first leader, I'll get the, my, my distinction for leader. Yep. Leader is somebody who can tell stories that other people want to follow. Right. So it, a leader doesn't a leader because the leader says something. The leader is a leader because other people follow them. Right. Right. That makes them a leader. So the people get to choose the leader. The leader doesn't get to choose to be the leader. <laughs> I know I like it's, I like it's not as not an into it. Not, it's not as easy as it, as it sounds to think about. I'll be a leader today. Okay, all you got to do is get somebody to follow you, and then you're a leader, right? So now, if you want to lead people, right? You you want to lead people who are because everybody's afraid, and, and you want people who can talk about their fears, or do you want people who won't talk about their fears, right? Because and we're all afraid. Like like it's a fundamental. Like I was in a in a conference with, I don't know, 150 people. And one of my close friends was now close friend, but not at the time. Uh-huh. He said, um, how many of you are afraid? And you think there's something wrong with you that you're afraid. And in this conference with 150 people, I looked around and there were 150 people with their hands in the air. Oh, wow. <laughs> everybody was afraid. And they thought there's something wrong that they're afraid. When in reality, everybody is afraid. Being afraid is normal. Right? We're all afraid. I mean, uh, I'm, I don't need to spend too much time on that. So now you have this fear, right? You have this leadership, right? And you have vulnerability, which means if we're not vulnerable as a leader or as a follower, right, we we we, we can't have open conversation. We can't address what's in front of us, right? We're hiding stuff. Oh, like, oh I hope nobody finds out that happened. Versus saying, I'm going, oh, that happened. Here it is. Right. And in in a way you're vulnerable because you go, I I may have caused that to happen. Right. I may have been the one who made that thing happen, but it doesn't matter. What matters is that everybody knows that it happened and you can react to it. You can take care of it. So being vulnerable and it's um, my noticing, Adam, is that as I've met people through my life, the people who had the most power and the power is my assessment is like my, my distinction for it is they have the ability to live a good life. Like they can take care of themselves. They can take care of others. They make good offers. They, they live a good life. The more power they have, the more vulnerable they are. And I'm watching people like who don't have power. They, they make themselves look good. And people who do have power means that they, they, have, they have the capacity to live a good life. People who don't have enough power, they're trying to make themselves look good. And the people who have power, they're vulnerable. They talk about their fears. There's, right, both are afraid. It just depends on whether you use a shield to protect people from knowing or you put your shields down and you let people see where you're afraid. And I've had some amazing individuals tell me what they're afraid of. And they're the, the ones who tell the best stories about that, like the most open, most real, right? 
Those are the ones who have lived the best life. What do you find the most uh, common fears? I mean, you, you, you said that you, like, for example, you did the conference, right? And everyone put their hand up, right? But you obviously had interviews with clients that you've taken on. You want to get an understanding of the psychology of the culture of the people that are working there, right? What have you found of like some of the most common fears that are out there, which maybe have surprised you or not, right? But I'd love to get your thoughts on that. So the the first one is that um, I'm not enough. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not smart enough. You can, and you can fill in the blank with whatever the enough, enough is, right? Yeah. I am not enough. I'm not smart enough, not strong enough, not fast enough. And you, it's funny because when you meet them, you always go like, really good at that right like, like that's, <laughs> that's, that's what you're really good at and, and they go like oh, i'm not enough right right I, i'm not um i'm afraid i'm gonna fail like like and, and they have we all have this fear that even when we succeed we go yeah but i might have been lucky if even people who have done things three thousand times successful they go yeah but i might have been lucky right, right. And, and that fear is inside of us now when you can talk about that fear, then you can, it, it takes the power away, right? Because you, now you go, I'm afraid, but the fear doesn't have me. I have the fear. And, and just imagine a team, 30 people, and everybody can talk about their fears. The power of those fears over the, the group, like it's not there anymore. Fears are there. They're still afraid. But they can tell talk. They can tell anything that comes up. Hey, what about this? What about that? I guess. Ooh, I just did this. Let's let's take some different action. That's a place where miracles happen. A miracle meaning you don't really know how it happened. Like you can't really look back and go, well, this happened to this to this, right? No, they just go like, and then a miracle happened, and boom, we set a record. We boom, we made profit. Boom, nobody got hurt. Boom, all those different distinctions. The profitability was tri- doubled, tripled, right? All of that is because people are can, like they're afraid to be, they're not afraid to speak about their fears. They're still afraid, but one of the fears they get over is talking about their fears. Well, there, well, well, so apart from I'm not enough, was there were there two others that maybe have surprised you at all that kind of popped out of you? Um, I, I think it's what they, a lot of people call the imposter syndrome. Like, yeah. I'm, uh, like I, 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 I'm really not as good as everybody think I am, right? Yeah. I, I got you know, right that space there, and the other one is the um, that um, the, the fear of losing. Fear of losing, ah, okay. like losing now, something, losing someone, losing. I, I got this job, I got this role, I could lose it, right? Uh, and uh, oh, I, I inherited something. I, uh, I, all those things that go, I could lose this, and 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 in in, 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 in grabbing a hold and squeezing on to what you might lose. Right, you can't grab anything else. That's interesting. You got Very your tight grip on what you could lose right. instead of having your arms open to grab onto all the other great things that are coming along. People, connections, businesses, opportunities, and all that space because you're afraid you're going to lose. Have you ever um, walked into a business, right? <clears throat> and, you know, they're interested in working with you because they've got a set of problems that they need to fix in terms of building their team. And you came across or you had a conversation with you know someone who someone that has uh, that's making decisions say a leader a senior management leader within the business or whatever it might be and they have this and they came across and they and, and you asked them the question what's their biggest fears and they said oh it's the fear of losing and then you noticed that there was a correlation 
have you noticed any behaviors, negative behaviors, that is then correlated back to their culture and performance within the culture that is leading the reason why their downfall, their leadership style is their downfall because of the fear of losing. Do you just see what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So that what it occurs like they're afraid to, yep. to, uh, to take on a new challenge. They're afraid to try a new technique. Yep. They're afraid to trust the people who are on their team. Right, like somebody goes, and what what happens is, I've come into many projects, I've eight turnarounds, right? right, and you come in, and there's a whole bunch of people who have a lot of ideas who've turtled up, right? I mean, like the heads are in, their arms are in, and they're going around, and you go like, "What are you guys working on?" Five thirty, right? When we go home, right? And I go, "Do you have any great ideas?" I don't, I don't give ideas, <laughs> right? And I go, "Ooh, do you get you get shot down a few times? A few times, all the time." And what happens is the the leader who was there was afraid of losing, and what happened is the business just several times the business just totally sh- just constantly shrank, right? Because they were holding on to something versus reaching out and creating new spaces and trusting their team, trusting the team that's there, right, to believe in them, to be able to perform and take some challenges. Yeah, I've oh yeah, I've seen that when I was when I when I was leading, and I've seen that with businesses now. Trusting your team—that's it's an important one, definitely. No, hundred percent. Um, interestingly enough, because I'm a big fan, when because we, we've been talking about vulnerability quite a lot recently, and uh, I'm a big fan of of showing that. So this is interesting. So vulnerability is obviously a great way to connect with your customers, your clients, your shareholders, your team, right? It's a great way to do that, right? But then some people that lead, okay, see it as a weakness, right? They see it as a, as a weakness, right? Well, we, we know that, right? Um, or should we say incompetence, right? They might see themselves as incompetence if they show vulnerability because they don't want to see their, show their weaknesses, as you mentioned, right? What are some of the questions that we should challenge our what's the word i was going to say our subconscious okay our what are some of the questions that we need to challenge our subconscious and our belief system around the whole kind of you know vulnerability you know how to show it how not to show it you know what are you know because us our inner critic is going to start saying things to us right on we're going to have probably two people on our shoulder one on the left shoulder one on the right shoulder and they're going to start, you know, speaking bad stuff about things. What are some of the questions that we can do to challenge our belief systems? Okay. Uh, first, the, the, the first question to, to toss to yourself. Yeah. Right, right. Like, what experiment could I run to be just a little bit vulnerable and see what happens? Okay. Right, right. There's like, there's one thing you say, like, well, we should all stand naked and tell all our fears in the world, right? No, <laughs> yeah. just, j- just take one little <laughs> tiny one. Right. And be in the space where you go like, okay, I, I, I was afraid this might fail. Right. Or what, what if, what if, what if I do this and this happens, right? Talk about things in a smaller face and see how your people respond. See how the people respond to what you do. Does it, I mean, cause the goal is not whether really to be vulnerable or not to be vulnerable. The goal is to build a powerful team. Right. 
So if you're being vulnerable and it builds your power team, that will incentivize you to do more. And when you do more, when you talk about more, you will open up more to them. Right. And and the other space is the, the, what, what is the fifth business revolution, which is it's human people running self-led teams, which means who is the leader is whoever can be the leader in the moment. Like it's not like you have a leader who's the one person in charge and they tell everybody else what to do, right? Or they create a vision. Everybody else follows it. There are moments when you're in a group when somebody goes, what about this? And you go, Ooh, that's really, that's great. Tell me more. Right. Now that's being vulnerable to accept leadership from somebody who's like, it, it could be the new engineer. It could be the, it could be the, somebody from who's from marketing. Right. And it could be somebody who's brand new, or it could be somebody who's been around for 40 years. Can you take the leadership from other people? And demonstrate that and say, that's a great space. Let's follow that. And then when you start to run those kinds of experiments, it's the snowball effect, right? It starts out like a little tiny one, and then somebody else is vulnerable, and somebody else is vulnerable, and you're vulnerable, and somebody else is vulnerable. And before long, like all the grip that fear has on you is gone. Fears are still there. But the grip of that has on you is gone. So that, that's the, those are the lines I toss myself. Like the, the stories I, I questioned that myself, what experiment could I run? Love and, and, and then also ask the question, if I had a magic wand and could change anything about the group, what would it do? What would it be? Not knowing that you can't change the people, right? You can't go like, Oh, I'm going to get a new person here. No, like what, what way could I change magic wand? And if I told them that that's what, that was what I really wanted, which is being vulnerable because you're kind of going like, this is, this is what I really want. This is what we, we really want. That's a space where you can really connect with each other. Love that. Good stuff. Some good stuff. Some good, some good thought provoking questions. I love that. Some very good stuff. Um, interestingly enough. So uh, going back to fear, how do you believe kind of fear shapes culture? Because from your, we, we talked a little bit about, uh, culture a little bit already haven't we and um, you know for I mean what 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 strategies do you advise for people that lead okay to create a culture where fear is acknowledged and addressed constructively without it kind of feeling like people are insulted or hurt or there's this kind of like broken trust element should we say does that make sense am i making yep. a lot of sense here yeah i just again i'd love to kind of maybe get your insight around that and maybe you could share an example of you know with the you know the uh you've done this eight to ten times with other yeah. teams whether it be siemens or whatever is i'd love to maybe kind of get maybe a backstory behind that yeah great so when you're um when somebody expresses like a fear right, and and they have the courage to do that, hmm. right? There's a good chance that what they're expressing, everybody else in the room has had like, like we're not that different. Right. right. And empathy, not, not sympathy, empathy. empathy. We go, yeah, I got that one too. Right. And, and then you can like engage the empathy, like, well, how many in the room have had that same fear? Right? Or have it now, right, right now, and everybody kind of raises their hand, like the, the person who changed my world. When I can see that everybody else in the room had empathy for what we were talking about, it went from, I'm afraid there's something wrong with me, to, 
I'm normal, or at least a little bit normal. I don't know if I'm completely normal. It's a little bit normal, right? In that uh, I could belong to this group right now. And that's the space. And um, several group and like in Europe, when I worked in Europe and worked around in multiple multiple countries, I go into the country and they start to ask questions, right? Like, like, who are you? Why are you here? Because nobody from the United States has been there, (laughs) Uh, right? German company, right? And like, I start to tell my story and and, uh, about why I'm here, what I'm up to, what I'm going on and being vulnerable. Like I want to learn about a culture that I have no, and it's uncomfortable for me. I don't know what I'm doing. And all this kind of stuff. I know fundamentally what I'm doing, but specifically and tactically, I'm lost, right? Mm. In that space, because I would be like in Italy or Spain or uh, Korea or Taiwan or, or all these different places, right? And they, they, their response to me was always, "You're you're you're not what we thought Americans would be." <laughs> and I'm going like, "What did you think Americans would be? Right? Like like we're just humans, right? Like you guys." And they're going like, "No, we did we didn't think that." <laughs> <laughs> and and what what I what I noticed was they were being vulnerable to say that they had a stereotype about what they thought I would be, and, and it was because I was being vulnerable with them. And and it's like fundamentally, it's how we built all the revenue that we we grew there was we showed up, we told them what we we're up to, we we're vulnerable about we didn't know all their culture, we didn't know what they were up to, but we're, we're here to help and we'll try to figure something out. And like we didn't know, we weren't here to tell you anything. We're just here to be. And then we come back with ten million dollar order because the people are going like, we we have the all these problems, and they they had the problems beforehand. They were afraid to tell anybody. They had the breakdown. They had the shortages of all that kind of stuff. They had it ahead of time. They knew they had it ahead of time. They knew they had it before it got there. But it wasn't until I was open and honest and trustworthy that they said. Okay, we need we need we need help here, and so it's about being um, vulnerable. Opens up more vulnerability and brings two two groups together, right? And I mean, sometimes we sold fifty million dollars of stuff. When you worked with Siemens, and again, maybe when you worked with smaller teams, because a lot of our audience here are, are you know the smaller business owner and stuff like that. Um, from your perspective, I mean, especially when you're working with Siemens, for example, which is a very large corporation, effectively. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think you were dealing with 350 people thereabouts. Oh, I was up to three. At times, I was up to 350 people, yeah. 350, yeah. So if you've got all of these, um, you know, team members, should we say, and they've all got different fears and whatever it is, how do you deal with, like, from your own personal perspective, does some and again maybe this is an approach that maybe you use how do you kind of approach like from a one-on-one perspective if you've got everyone bombarding you with all these different fears does it feel like sometimes you're like you're a kind of a scapegoat or an agony arm and you're trying to offer advice and counseling, which I know you're not but how do you deal with people which have all these problems and it's kind of like Come to Uncle Ron. I'll come and fix everything for you. I'm the savior. Like, how do you kind of mm. like dispel that kind of fear of like, oh, I'm I'm here. I'm God sent for you. Do you know what I mean? Like, and because some people, if you're not like in this position, right, and you're relatively new or you're a small business owner, you, you know, you, sometimes you 
sometimes you feel like you don't want to kind of get into the whole kind of nitty gritty and you know be that kind of like but in the in the same way there needs to be this kind of hybrid fine balance do you see what i'm saying well there's a a, a balance between like um small businesses they have to fill a lot of roles with with yes. one person has to fill a lot of roles yes and so uh, the, with that you, you can't be good at all of them right? so Absolutely there's there's not. genuine authentic uh, gaps and fears in what you're doing um, but Adam, the truth is like most of the groups that I worked in, even when I was a big company, 350 people, rarely was I ever working with more than four or five at a time. Okay. Right. Cause it's like, even though it's this huge group, it's like, like as a group does this and this and this, right. Occasionally, like once a year you get together with all of them or not even all of them, you get together with about a third of them and you do it mm. three, three times. Mm. But in general, day-to-day activities, it's less than five. Interesting. Right, you're you're in a conversation with people, right? In that in that space, you're you're opening it up. Um, you're giving them a space to talk about what they're doing, and, and once you've gotten and got past that that shield that people put up, you know, so because they're they're afraid, right? You get past the shield, then they can call you. They'll start talking and telling you stuff that comes up. So it's not like it's like, oh, here comes a tidal wave of all the fears, right? No, it's more like it's like like a raindrop here, raindrop there, raindrop here, raindrop there, and before long. They get to the place where they don't need to tell their fears to you. They can tell them to anybody. They can tell them to their teammate. They can tell them to their space. They can open up the world to talk to each other. That's the that's the goal, right? So because you know the, the greatest compliment uh, any leader can ever have is that he's no longer needed. As a team can run without him or her. Because right, now you have everybody has their stories and they can talk and work and coordinate and cooperate. They, they can be vulnerable. They can, you know, make new offers. They can create new stuff. And, and then you're there just to create the vision. We're, we're, this is the direction we're going to go. Right. And and be there for uh, uh, for advice, for counsel, for um, cheerleading. In, in some ways, really, cheerleading. Because people can get afraid of taking on new challenges. And this is a space for you to be that person to really help them get there. Love that. Love that. You know, it's interesting because it doesn't matter what books you read. It doesn't matter what podcasts you listen to. We always look at it from the perspective of, um, say, someone that is making decisions, they're leading teams or whatever it is. But I had a thought process as I, I had an epiphany when you were talking wrong. Okay. I want to quickly share it with you. Say we're in a small business, okay? We've got, uh, we've got uh, you know, a, a team of, say, under 20, right? Yep. We've got a couple of decision makers that are in the business, and then you've got the rest of the team, okay? My epiphany, I want to quickly share it with you. The employee, right? The normal Joe public, the normal guy that is doing his job, that doesn't really have any significant... Uh, should we say decisions, responsibilities? Well, they do, but you know what I mean. They're not the main decision maker within the business. And you noticed that your boss, your leader, or whatever, whoever is, you know, the one that you are, you know, effectively um, uh, going, that you're having to uh, go towards. But you notice that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You notice that they're wearing a bit of a mask. You notice that they're that they're that something's not quite right about mm-hmm. them as an individual, right? Because we're all human, right? We're all human yep. beings, okay? And so 
from your perspective, and now I was just kind of like trying to create an experience for myself, and I was trying to put myself in the shoes of the employee. And if my person that I report to is that you think that they might be going through a bit of a tough time, but they're wearing a mask, they're covering it all up. You know, how do you approach uh, the, you know, say the the person that you report to, like without kind of feeling like you're stepping out of line or you're feeling like it's uncomfortable or it's not your place to do so, right? And I, I just, again, I wanted to get your, share your thoughts if you've ever been in a situation where you've been in a culture where that's actually happened. Oh, and yes, a- absolutely. Um, it, it's, it, it is how I ended up becoming the coach for many of my bosses. Right, exactly. Right? That's the, yeah. Right, I, I became a coach for many of my bosses. Right. Um, those who were supervising me. Uh-huh. And we, we, it's a skill we teach inside the method which is to toss a line, which is a, uh, it's a metaphor from horse training, but it's basically to say something in the world to them, right. That doesn't land as a rock, like, like painful. And it doesn't land as a feather. Like it doesn't show up. Right. It, it really just lands like a line, like, like something they could grab a hold of something they can, they can, they can think about. Right. So you're, you're not insulting them and you're not uh, just wasting their time. And And it starts with, like I'll share some of my favorites, right? Go for it. Sh- uh, sh- share a vulnerable story. When you show up as vulnerable, then they can be vulnerable. Because what you want them to do is whatever it is that's behind that shield, to get it out. Because if they can get it out and talk about it, it changes their story about the story. Right? right. So then they, they can now look at it and go, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Right? Or I can I can work with this. Uh, so I can share a vulnerable story of my own. So I can just go in and go... Yeah, you know, something happened, this happened. Whatever the story is, share it, the story, right? Not approaching their story. It doesn't matter what story you share. You're just being in a place where you'll be vulnerable and open in that space. And, and not looking for help. Don't come in and say, I just need to say this, right? I, I need to say it to somebody. Could you, are you open to that? Right? Not coming and going like I'm trying to trick them. Okay, so now I'm going to say a story that will manipulate you to tell me a story. No, that's not. Don't be that. that that's trickery, right? doesn't work, right? And then the, the next thing, the next line I would toss is, Sit quiet, or as my 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 tradition in the family is, stay in the truck. Don't mess with the radio, right? Just sit there, right, right, and wait, because they're not looking at you. They're looking in their own head, going, like, "Can I really talk about this? Should I talk about this? What if I do talk about this?" And then the moment they start to talk about it, right, their world changes for them. And when you get done. It doesn't matter what they talk about. It's in their head. It's their stories, right? But what they will remember is the connection and the comfort they felt talking with you. And that's that's the connection and the relationship, right? And then as you get to know them, you run a couple experiments. You've got a couple of cases like that. You go, just walk in and go, hey, you seem a little distracted, man. Any, any Anything you want to share? Because he knows he or she knows that when you tell it to you, it doesn't go anywhere. They got a sounding board. You got trust. You got a connection, right? And then that that line, and then what, what is so powerful about this is now they're looking at you, and then all of a sudden they go, hey, man, you seem a little distracted. What's going on over there? And you go, oh, crap, I am distracted. Oh, man, thank you. And then you tell your story, right? And that's where the connection really becomes like, Boom, solid, right? And like 
15, 20 years later, you can call them up and they go, hey, Ron, what's up, man? What's going on? Right? Like, where are you at? What you doing now? Whose life are you changing? Right? And I go, I don't change lives. They change them, right? And we just laugh because there's a trust there with each other that we would be willing to work with each other anywhere. And that's the that's the goal. So, like, many of those people were my bosses. And I when, when I left to go someplace else, many times the boss would say, I just want you to know you're the best coach I've ever had. Nice. And I go, well, what other coaches have you had? And they've got to think about that. <laughs> right? But it's uh, how do we build that connection? And, and yeah. a connection is the – that is the source of happiness. Absolutely. 100%. Yep. Love that. Some good stuff. Now, um, really briefly, I know you've created a – is it a seven-step or a nine-step methodology? Se- seven-step methodology. Seven-step. Yeah, that's yeah, all right. Seven-step Macklin connection uh, methodology. Is that right? Yep. Tell us a little bit more about that and how can it um, – how can we use that to overcome fear and be, be better, yeah. be a better person? The first part is um, like that. That's the one that has the the the, the power. Yeah, and that is to be your stand. I mean, there are things in this world we will do, won't do, and might do. Like we will do some things, we won't do some things, but we might do some things, right? Right. And we have that already, but we haven't sat down and looked at it and said, "Is that really who I want to be?" Right? And if you go look at those things you will do, won't do, and might do, right? and then uh, there's a, a Mike Tyson quote that says everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> if you really want to find out where your stand is, what do you do when you get punched in the mouth? Right? That's your stand. Now, once you know your stand, because sometimes we don't know that we even have a stand, but we do. Once you know what that stand is, I mean, write it down. And then look at it and go, wow, do I really want to be that? What do, I need to, what do I need to change to do that? And that really opens up a space of when you don't know what your stand is, it can be really scary. Right? It can really, sh- but now you know, oh, no, I won't do that. Oh, yep, I will do that. You can count on me for that. Oh, well, maybe. It depends on what's going on. When you have a list of what those are, oh, it makes a huge difference in your ability to, to, to address your fears, to talk about your fears. You can say, like, one of my, my stand is, I, I will share my fears, right? Because like, that's, like, been working this for 30 years. And in that space, it opens up a world for me to, to really know who I am because I created me. I created all the stories that are in my head, and so now I'm doing it intentionally, not just drifting. And that's what you were doing when you when you start to have a stand, you move away from drifting with media, drifting with your culture, drifting with your all the history of you have, and you start to go, "This is me. I am me. I this is what I will do, what I won't do, what I might do." And they go, "We used to do that. Uh, not my stand now, <laughs> right?" And that's a space where you like there's so much courage that can come from knowing what your stand is, creating your stand. Modifying your stand. And my stand's not done. I started out, it was nine things, right? Nine things. <laughs> and, and now it's like 34. And it's been up right. to 40. But I said, I don't need that one anymore. I'm done with that, right? <laughs> and But that's me creating it. And you might, might notice my, like my, the energy I go from talking about what I will do, what I won't do, what I might do. Interesting. So 
summary in terms of those seven steps. If we was to go from one to seven, they are top one. Top one is uh, be your stand. Be your stand. Okay. Yep. Second one. Uh, care and be an offer of help that matters. Number oh, two. I love that one. That's love it. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, the next one, which is a wait for that imaginal moment. And the imaginal moment is, um, it's a story that's happening inside someone's head. Yep. And, and uh, caterpillars have uh, imaginal cells. That's what it's actually called. And those imaginal cells are what trigger the caterpillar to turn into a butterfly. So it's a recreating of the whole story, right, of what is this animal. We use that metaphor for us to remind us that we can change a story in our head, right, that will change our whole world. Right, and then what you do is you look for other people to have those imaginal moments when they go, "Well, maybe I don't have to do that, or, or maybe I could do that." Or, and and normally it shows up like this because they're thinking, <laughs> right? They're, they're, and what, one of the parts is like, "Don't mess with that," right? Like when they're in the middle of creating something in their head, don't interrupt. Let them do cool. it. Love it. Cool. So that was number three. Is that Great. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And the number four is to um, like to, to give them like to talk about what it means to connect with somebody. Oh yeah, that's right. So they begin to see like, oh, so this is how a connection works, right? And, and number five, yep, right, is to um, <clears throat> actually give them a space that they could work with something with you on, like like join your company, join another company, start a book club, whatever that is, like a real place to connect, right? Right. Uh, the number like six, that. yeah, number six is uh, uh, we, we I, I call it let them buck, but basically let them close themselves, right? So nice. if you're building a relationship there with somebody, a connection, right? Yeah, let them come to you and close themselves, and they may buck some. I don't know if I can have time for this. I don't know if this, and, and don't get in the middle of that. Let them do it. Let them do it. Let, let them walk through all that because it's not about tricking somebody into something. You're building a relationship and a connection that will last for the rest of the time you're alive. Love that. And the Good last stuff. one, the last one, one yeah. which yep. is the hardest one. It's the hardest one. Most people have the most problem with. Allow them to contribute to you. This is not charity. You're not, you're not giving them charity, right? You're letting a connection flourish, which means they have to be able to contribute to you and allow people to contribute to you. Oh my gosh, people can buck on that one. They go, oh, yeah, I don't know. That, that, that makes me really uncomfortable. What, what if it's not good enough? Look, that's your own fear that you might not be good enough. Right? You got to connect. And to connect, you have to let them contribute to you. So it's dignified. It's equal. There Very you go. Cool. It's, there, there's it's, the steps. It's, like, it's kind of like a, um, what do they call it? It's kind of like uh, an exchange, if you like. It's uh, an exchange. I can accept that one. It it really is. You're building a a connection of peers. You're equals. Absolutely. Equals. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Like that. Um, I know we're coming towards the end here. And uh, this has been a lot of fun. Lots of deep stuff going on in, ladies and gents. Hope you've been enjoying uh, me and uh, Ron's conversation. But I wanted to... Just ask what one final question if if I if I if we if we have the if we have the time. Um, what final piece of advice do you have for aspiring leaders that struggle with their own fears or or fears of other people in their teams? What advice would you give them to help them to 
you know, to foster a kind of fearless, yet iconic leadership style that suits them. Any thoughts? Always remember that everyone is afraid. That means that everybody that you're leading, the people you're trying to give, to, you know, to be the leader of, their fears are just as great as yours. Love and that. you're you're in the, in that way, you have a role. It's not a title like a you know a prince or a, a, a king or whatever. That. You you have a role called leader, which is essential for a team to succeed. But it's not many more important than any other role because everybody is afraid. Love that. So I think that's a great wrap up to to our conversation, Ron. It, it, you know, it's just kind of like, but for me, it's put like the cherry on the cake and. You know, first of all, I wanted to, to just say this has been a great conversation and, uh, you know, it's been great to, to chat and jam and have some fun and, you know, just chill out and stuff like that. So I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for everything that you're doing to help make the world a better place. And uh, it's been a great dance. I've really enjoyed our time. Thank you for doing Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Now, uh, just before you go, best best place for people to connect with you. Uh, always, you can come to um, I'll be my my email address, right? Reach out to me, uh, Ron yep. at MacklinConnection.com. And then you can find us at uh, website MacklinConnection.com. And we have a community. It's called the Imaginal Community. MN.co. Very cool. So, you guys, make sure that you check out Ron. We'll put all his social media links below as well. So, make sure that you remind yourself about how to connect with him. And if you have any questions, I'm sure that Ron or one of his team will be more than happy to respond and just make sure that you mention the podcast and that you listen to Ron here on the business strategies. So, uh, so again, Ron, thank you so much for, for being uh, a great sport for today. Let's, uh, let's give Ron a big round of applause and it didn't work, but anyway, it, it's all, it's all good. <laughs> Very good. But it's all good. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, listen, hope you've enjoyed today's show uh, from me and Ron. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll speak to you soon. Take care. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening to The Business Strategist with Adam Strong. Follow Adam on LinkedIn, YouTube, and adamstrong.net. Leave a review on Apple or Spotify.